We are getting close to Christmas. I don't know if you noticed that. So all four candles, that means we're getting there. And then on Christmas Eve, we light the middle one. Christ candle, that's, that's a big event. It's coming. So we have traveled our way through Witness His Majesty, this series as we get closer to the time when we celebrate Christ's birth. This, this uh, is a reminder of all the things that go into who he is and what he's done, and it helps us to sort of place this in a time and place. It, it's to give context to what God has done in bringing Jesus along. So this is our opportunity to do that. Today we're looking at validation. Validation is important in so many things. It's it's one of those areas of life that that we assume, but we practice it all the time. We assume that the roof on this place is going to stay up there. doesn't always happen. Some people have experienced a roof coming in. The chair you're sitting in, you're trusting that it's going to stay where it's at and that you're going to be able to sit in it safely. Don't bet on all of them. We have removed some. There are data points that help us to to discover that evidence that helps us know we've been here before we've tried them before we've seen other people we look around the room not many of them have crashed so the chairs must be safe the ceiling must be staying and we're good to go and we we do that with things uh, just in our heads quickly and then we come to something like the son of God was born in Bethlehem and it alters everything. He brings good news. He has changed the world. And for some people, they look at that and say, I don't have enough evidence. Where are the data points that I can put together that let me know that that's even true? Now, I will assume all kinds of things about the ice cream I eat, that it's safe. I'm going to assume all sorts of things about the world I live in, my political party, the car I drive. There are all kinds of things. We don't even check the data points on. We just, yeah, we're good. This one, it's amazing how radical people get. You bring up Jesus and that he has made a difference in this world, which is one of the data points. If it sets people off, there's probably a reason for that. There's something about this that's going to strike people in such a way that it isn't good news, that this is frightening. If there really is a son of God and he really has done something, maybe I need to live my life differently. I don't want to live my life differently. Therefore, I need to get rid of everything that has to do with him or anything that points to him or if he has any, uh, anything to say to me, I, I, I just don't want to hear it. 
I just don't want that interfering with the way I think and the things I do. So how about some data points? We're looking at validation in this uh, series. So we're going to look at preparation. These are, these are not new things. This is from Luke chapter 1. We'll look a little bit at Luke chapter 2. So the first part of Luke, major part of the, the Christmas story that we celebrate comes out of Luke, the gospel of Luke. So we're going we're going to examine that and we're going to see where that takes us in terms of the data points, the evidence that's available. So how does this validate or provide some validation to the Son of God who has come, who is bringing good news? How does that happen? So first we'll look at Luke. So Luke chapter 1, chapter 5. Herod was king of Judea. And there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He's a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. And go, isn't that nice? That just kind of gives you this cool little, you know, homey sense. That is filled with information. This is time frame. Herod, king of Judea. How did he get there? There's immense amount of material on this. Jewish priest named Zechariah. He's a member of the priestly order. We are given the name. He is part of Abijah's line. We are given. You can track these things down. Where he is, who he is, who he belongs to. Elizabeth also belongs to a priestly line from Aaron, so we've got this connection. Then this background thing, because you don't know this. You know, if you meet him on the street or you're the neighbor, you don't find out, oh, you know, they, they, they are, uh, these are people that are righteous in God's eyes. How do you find out people are righteous in God's eyes? God's got to tell you if somebody's righteous in his eyes. So this isn't the opinion of other people. This is God's opinion. So here, this is where he's coming from. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Whoa. Okay, that's serious background info right there. You're going to like this in just a sec. Hang on. Careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Well, they're in the priestly line. They know all of that. And so they're, they're keeping it all up. They're, they're following all the rules. They're checking all the boxes. One of the huge things in Semitic culture, in well, many cultures, but this is huge for them, they are to produce children. If they don't produce children, the women, the family, is, is really looked at scant. I mean, that, if you don't have children, this is bad. And, the, and the, for, the, for the wife, the, she's just carrying this heavy burden. It's not, it's not like, well, you know, I had a career. Mm, not in this culture. Children. That's who you are. That's why you're here. That's your purpose. And you have violated that thing. So obviously God doesn't like you. I want you to hear that again because this is going to matter. So God doesn't like you. You didn't get that thing that the culture expects. So have you had anything happen this year that made you think, Where's God? Why didn't he come through for me? 
You know, I've checked all the boxes. Why did something bad happen to me? Why did something bad happen in my family? Why did bad things happen around me? Why in my community? Why my church? Why this country? Why? Ever had those thoughts? Checked all the boxes. Why? And here's God clearly saying these people are righteous in his eyes. These people have done what I want them to do. They are exactly who I want them to be and where they're supposed to be at this time. (sighs) They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old, which means time's up. It's over. This ain't happening. And so you make, you know, bad things happen. You go, well, okay, I'm going to live with it. What else can you do? It sucks, but that's what I'm going to do. Because God's good. Everybody tells me God's good. So how do we deal with that stuff? One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order was on duty that week. They rotated. That's part of the thing. And Abijah, and you can look this up in history and go, Abijah's group served here. That's how it works. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by Lot. That's not a guy's name. This is gambling. He was chosen by Lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. This is, a, this is just a big thing. So this is happening at the temple. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's not bad. So God has heard your prayer. So... Great angel, where were you when I prayed that prayer? Because, you know, we're old now. So thanks for that. But we're down the road, and it would have been nice like 30 years ago. But, you know, thanks a lot. I'm saying, I'm filling that in. It's not really here. (laughs) Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. Probably said that louder. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said to you, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Huh. You mean God's going to actually answer some prayers that we prayed 30, 40 years ago, and then they come to fruition, he brings them about, and then when he does it, we go, well, thanks for that. 
Where were you? How come you didn't do it when I wanted you to do it? And you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it when I wanted it done. And now you show up. No, I don't think so. Gabriel, I stand at the, I stand in the very presence of God. And you don't believe me. I mean, besides there's an angel standing in the temple. That would give you something to think about. But here he is. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Hmm. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon, soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. She had no problem with this. Like, yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. Her disgrace is going to be removed. The cool part of this, well, many things, but this, this aspect of this is God chooses the impossible to make impossible things possible. So he's taking an old couple who have no children, and she can't have children, hasn't had any children. The history has proven it. And now she's going to have this son who's going to be remarkable. And it's because they were righteous in God's eyes. This boy is going to serve him. The prayers have been answered. Everything they've hoped for is coming about. And if you remove that fleshly human side of us that says, well, it's got to fit. I, I demand that it fits this picture in my mind. And God says, i got something so much better for you. These claims that the angel gave him, Gabriel's giving, giving this explanation, those are every line you can go through and find it in the Hebrew text. He's going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. I mean, these are talking about Elijah. If, when you know the book and you go, that's the story, and he is summing this up, this is the guy the forerunner of the Messiah. What kid in history wouldn't... I mean, th these are Jewish people. This is the greatest honor that can come. The forerunner. You're going to be the parents of the forerunner of the Messiah, the one everyone's waiting for. And it's all being brought together. In answer to prayer, and they've walked with the Lord, they've kept the commandments. And Zechariah was a little sour on this, wasn't he? Yeah. But... You know, he was, but we never get there. He, he does that kind of stuff. We are fine with how the Lord works these things. But it, look at the data points. We've got, we've got Hebrew scriptures. We've got Herod. He's giving us a time and a place, Judea. He's telling us that these are the priestly group under Abijah, and it's their time to serve. So we, we're getting a whole lot of pieces put together here. Luke is awesome about doing this. And, and as he's giving us all of that, all of those things are pointing to things, to items, to, to areas that we can go, okay, let's start piecing this together. Who, do, who are we dealing with here? Who, are, who is this? So we, we have this whole development, and she is, Elizabeth is going to have a son. And in the meantime... And we're skipping this part because we've kind of covered some of this. And we've got Christmas Eve coming up still. 
There's a cousin who lives in Nazareth and an angel, the same one. Gabriel goes to visit her and says, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to be uh, a mom. And she, of course, is like, uh, uh, well, all right, <laughs> whatever you say. So Mary responds positively quickly, so she is not like Zachariah, who can now not speak. And all of these things are coming together. So we're going to pick that up, though, after uh, she's pregnant, and she has um, said uh, her response to all this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. She goes to go visit Elizabeth. So that's in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. At the moment she comes in, she greets Elizabeth, and in that moment... Elizabeth knows, the baby knows, the baby responds to the Lord in his presence. We're talking a baby in Mary, a baby in Elizabeth, and they understand what God is doing. How dull are we? Two babies, and they know what's going on. And the baby in Elizabeth is worshiping the Lord of glory when he comes into, the pre- into his presence. Then the, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the angel said, Gabriel said, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. So even as a baby. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's already got that going. And he le- it leaps because uh, he's excited about this. So Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. This, babies are responding to this. She recognizes it. And look how much he knows. I mean, we're reading the story, but she didn't have this to read. Luke hadn't written anything. She's glad Mary comes to see her, and she says, blessed above all women are you and your child. Oh my gosh, how is it that you would come visit me and bring the Lord? You have come to visit me. She's totally humbled by this whole event. She is a daughter of a priestly line from Aaron, all the way back to Aaron, Moses' brother. I mean, this is the beginning of this thing. Her husband is on duty as a priest. He's in the line of Aaron as well, and under the clan of Abijah. And here's this moment, you go, no, we're kind of a big deal here in all of this. And she recognizes that young Mary who has just walked in with her baby, has just brought the Lord into her presence. And she is humbled. She's amazed at what has just happened. So we've got babies who are responding. We've got priests who, in priestly families, 
honoring someone who would not normally be honored in that kind of a scene. We have uh, Zechariah who can't speak. Something happened to him, but he hasn't told that whole story because he can't say anything yet. Mary has an incredible response that comes through from all of that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's worth a look later, but not, not in this moment. So we are looking at chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 25. And going down from there, uh, Jesus is born, so we're moving ahead here. The, John is already, he's been born, he's six months older, so he's, he's growing up with the family. And Jesus is born, and, and we've got more of the story to be told there. But after he's born, eight days after, they take him to the temple in Jerusalem uh, for dedication. And look at what happens when he shows up there. So this, this is verse 25, Luke chapter 2. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So Simeon is in the temple, but he's in the temple because the Lord told him, Go to the temple on this day. He's already told him, you won't die until you see the Lord's Messiah. So he knows that. The Holy Spirit tells him to go on that day. Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, not that far outside of Jerusalem. They travel up to the temple, take Jesus in to make the dedication. Here's a young teenage couple, not wealthy. So here's a ragged, ragtag couple with their baby doing what all these other Jewish people are doing, bringing in their babies to be uh, dedicated at the temple. And out of all of that chaos and, and all the activity that's going on, Simeon goes, that one. That eight and a half pound baby wrapped up over there, that's the one. That's the Messiah. That's the one we've been waiting for. For all these generations, he is the one. Simeon happened to be at the temple at the time when they came in, and he spots him. And then he has this response to pass on to Mary and Joseph as that uh, conversation unfolds. And he's talking to the Lord. And he, 
you know, sovereign Lord, uh, now I can die in peace because, you know, I've seen your salvation. Look at the context of this. It's not, wow, Israel is now going to get rid of Rome because, you know, politically, you know, politics are the main thing. That's what all people are looking for is really good politics. Nope. That's not what he came for. He came for something else. This is under the power of the Roman Empire. Herod is king. I mean, we've got jerks running everything. And he says, I have sent my Messiah for the people. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Most of the people in first century Judaism are concerned about themselves, about Judaism, about religious purity, about doing their thing. Let Rome die. Let the Greeks melt. Let's get rid of the Egyptians. Everybody, we are, this is about us. Now, the scriptures are clear that God wanted to reach all the nations. There was a rebellion, a rebellion in the heavens, there was a rebellion on the earth, and he has an interest in all the nations, and he wants to bring them all back together, and he's coming up with a method, or has come up with a method to accomplish that. To a first century Jew, however, it's about the, the glory of Israel, about reestablishing their preeminence among the nations. That's not what he says. So here's God speaking to this man, Simeon, who comes and says, thank God the Messiah has come because it is him. Your salvation which was prepared for all people, he is a light to reveal God to the nations. Everyone. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. And that's where they missed it. It's him. The glory is that God used all those people and protected them through all these generations so that the Messiah would come through that line. Promised Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12, and it's come through all of these different people to accomplish this at this moment with totally befuddled Joseph and Mary holding their little baby while this guy rants on about all of these wonders and it's just like what is happening and God is bringing it all together it's all coming together here in this place and they're amazed it says about what he says and then he says he's this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall there's a line but he will be a joy to many others and he's been sent as a sign from God many will oppose him still do it's still still a thing and he gives her that little personal bit a sword will pierce your very soul that happens that happens when people are you know they hope for for certain things you you know in, in her case she wants her son not to be hurt not to be attacked not to be nailed to a cross i mean she had other she doesn't have more information about that than anyone else and says it's going to hurt this is going to hurt it's going to be the salvation of the nations, but it's going to hurt. So she has gathered these, this information. Uh, Luke interviews, that's why he's kind of cool in the gospel. He's interviewed her because she's still around and got this information and got these stories. So we get to share in this moment to see all of these different pieces coming together. So Jesus' coming was validated. 
the timing when he came. That we are told in Galatians 4.4 that he came at exactly the right time. In all of history, all the possibilities that existed, that it was there. First century for all kinds of reasons. The, the Roman Empire had built roads that no one had done before. That meant communication could go out in various places. The Jewish people had experienced a diaspora where they were spread out all over in different countries because they'd been invaded and carried off and invaded and carried off. And they, so they've set up different worship sites and they've set up little communities all around the world. Still, they still exist. That's still a thing. And they are spread around the world, not living in Israel. They come back and worship at the temple, which is why Jerusalem gets flooded with people from time to time. But they are scattered all over, these little communities. And they have the scrolls, they have the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures. And they go through those weekly in their synagogues. And they have certain scriptures set aside for each day. And there's just certain things that are already out there in the world. So Jesus shows up at a time when all of those things exist. There's a common trade language with Greek. Uh, those who spoke Greek could use it. The, the Hebrew language wasn't the common. They, they spoke Hebrew for worship, and Aramaic was the common language before that. So many of them are still speaking Aramaic, but they also Greek was the going thing. It wasn't Latin yet in the Roman Empire. So Greek is the, the language. We got roads, we got maritime travel, the peace, uh, Pax Romana, that's the, the peace of Rome, that because they're so huge and controlled such a huge part of Africa and the Middle East and Europe, people could travel and letters could be sent. Do you know we're reading from the New Testament, which is letters that were sent? Even the Gospel of Luke is a letter written to a friend, account, writing this account. So those accounts are sent out and can travel because of the technology and the preparation that had already been laid, the theological preparation that had been laid, and the Holy Spirit is using all of that. The DNA of the people who wound up being John the Baptist, leading to Jesus, all of it. Timing. So Gabriel shows up in the temple at the time, Zechariah is there because it's the rotation when Abijah's group is going to be in there and he wins the, the lot. What are the chances that would happen? Out of all the people in that group, when they throw the dice, he's the one. He goes in, Gabriel's there. Timing. All of this. All of the timing that goes into this. There's the heritage, the DNA, the, the Jewish background the scriptures that are available, the culture, the things they've been through when they've been carried off to Babylon and now they're back. All of those elements are playing a part in, in their understanding of, of, of what God is doing. And for some, they get it. In this case, Simeon gets it. And I think Elizabeth got it better than Zechariah. Zechariah got it later. But because when he said, no, we're going to call the boy John, and he got his voice back because by then he believed. It took nine months, but he got it. Heritage, circumstances, all of these things, all these pieces are coming together at one time in this place. So having Caesar be who he was, Caesar Augustus. So Julius has been killed, and Augustus takes over, and there's a whole bunch of elements that uh, fit into that, and that's how Herod becomes the king, and 
It depends on who you support at certain times if you get to be a king, and that's how he wound up. He supported uh, what Augustus was doing. So anyway, so Caesar is... He's got this massive amount of property, this empire, and he's got to pay for this thing. How do you pay for that? How do you pay for your army? How do you pay for big temples, cool stuff in Rome so that people can travel to Rome and see them now? And he didn't know we would do that, but, you know, it's a moneymaker. So how do you do that? Well, you have to raise funds. How do you raise funds in a giant empire? You tax people. So you come up with an idea. Let's count them. And we call that a census. So we're going to have a census. You remember how this all started, right? When Caesar Augustus was empire, the emperor of Rome, and Quirinius was governor of Syria, uh, called for a census. And everybody had to go back to their hometown and register so that they could be counted. For what purpose? Because Caesar wanted money. Motivated by money. So what are the circumstances? What's the timing? What's the heritage? What brought these people? How did Jesus the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem? They didn't live in Bethlehem. They didn't even live in Judea. They lived in Galilee, Nazareth. What got them there? Caesar Augustus in Rome said, I need money. Let's have a census. The census word gets out. They travel down from Galilee to get to Bethlehem on the day they needed to be there. And he's born. Timing. He's worked it out so that all of those things are... But wait a minute, I don't want my government... My government's coming up with taxes and, and they're moving and they let Afghans in our country. What in the world? Do you know the end result of all of that? Because if you do, I would like to hear it. Because I have a feeling God Almighty is in charge. What do you think? God Almighty is in charge. And He is moving. It's His timing. He's answering prayers. He may not do it on your timetable. He may not do it the way you want it done. But when He does it, when He does it, it will be remarkable. And we, as they were, will be amazed. And then God shows up. Because we've been Walking with Him, listening to Him, believing Him. And in every account where that has happened, it says God is pleased. God is pleased. What if we whine, complain, tell God He's not doing it right? What about that? Ain't pleased. That's not Hebrew. He ain't pleased. God is at work. He's bringing about amazing things. He's brought His Messiah for all nations, for all people. So we get to enjoy that. So here we are. Sovereign Lord. This is salvation. Luke 2.29 Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. So we have timing, heritage, circumstances, testimony. People saying this is him out of the blue, and now he's saying he's going to be the answer for the nations. And he is. He has done all those things. So the first advent, the first advent, Jesus came to set his people free. He was from outside time and the physical dimension. The enemy, 
problems and battles from the cosmic realm were real in the physical realm. And Jesus came to confront them all. He is the great I am. Worship His majesty. Worship His majesty. He's the one. And He has brought all these things together. Evidence, data points, validation that He is the one. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank You for what You have done. And in it is true, Lord, you have done amazing things. And you have sent your Son as our salvation. And, and you had prepared all of that for all people. He is the light to reveal God, to reveal the reality to all the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Thank you for the opportunity to know him. Lord, it may not be easy living this life, but... Any other choice would be amazingly difficult. And uh, we appreciate that you have brought him, the hope of the world, into our lives. And it is in his name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.